Hello, everyone. This is my second podcast. So, just bear with me if this is not up to standards of other podcasts that are out there in this world. I'm new to all this. I'm not a I'm not a computer guru. I'm just a simple, simple guy, just a coyote caller, if you will. And uh, I enjoy talking. And the nice thing about these podcasts is the fact that I don't have a lot of people standing around me, so it can just be a free-moving event. I can just talk and see where it goes. I've experienced a lot of amazing things in my lifetime, and to say I'm blessed is an understatement for how I was brought up and raised. I I got to witness so many things being a kid on a farm, all the hunting and fishing and having a close family and going to church every Sunday. And it was just a small, tiny church, just mainly family members. And uh, just really the value system of being brought up on a farm, that is what's gotten me to where I am today. A lot of hard work, so a strong work ethic. And... uh, a lot of lot of pain along the way, tough roads, and through that perseverance. But I appreciate every one of you that is listening and I hope I hope my stories can put a smile on your face, maybe help you reminisce about your childhood and kinda some of the similarities in it all. But this podcast is labeled The Tree because this is pretty much the start of where I began gaining knowledge of coyotes. And it started with my grandfather, Herbert Johnson. My grandfather passed away when I was 16 years old, so I never really got to know my grandfather. I knew that he had a tremendous work ethic. Uh, He raised a lot of crops with horses back in the day. I believe he was born in 1911, so he was a trapper. Uh, he, He raised silver foxes. And I do have receipts from 1934 where he sold silver foxes and his top was $60 and he had many at 50 and many at $40. Uh, he shipped them to New York, New York, New York. And uh, that is how he bought a lot of his farmland back in the day and my grandmother would tell me that trapping is what made help them make it through the depression so my my lineage <laughs> with 
trapping and predators goes back a long ways and it was instilled in me and I would you know I would love to see what my grandfather would think now of me and my brother Jeff knowing that we pursued coyotes the way that we did because my grandfather was a trapper and he also tra uh, shot them uh, and they had the roundups back in the day where they would put people around the sections and they would all walk to the center of the section. So I'd heard about all that, but this, this podcast is, uh, the, the heading on this podcast is labeled the tree. I want you to envision a square box, so that's a section of land, 640 acres. And basically, the farmstead where I was raised in after my grandparents moved to town, but my grandparents lived in this farmhouse, but right to the north of the farm, there was a square section, and there was a there a half mile line. There was a hedge line that ran about uh, three hundred yards on the half line. A hedge line, hedge trees was on that, and then it was just flat farmland with just a fence line. And clear on the north, in the northwest corner, uh, along a dirt road. Um, right north of the farm. So one mile away, right along the road. So you have a dirt road and then you have a ditch and right on the top side of the ditch, right next to all the farmland, there was one tree and it wasn't a very big tree. It was a mulberry tree. And I would have to say that I was probably... 10 to 12 years old. I don't know how old I was, but my grandfather picked up my, my brother and I, Jeff, my older brother, and he took us out one day. And I suppose this is what grandfathers do. They want to give you knowledge and try to teach you something, but they do it in a slow way but it's but it's a methodical way. They want to give you a little bit and let it sink in for you. But this was the only time I got to see him set a trap for a coyote. And my grandfather was fairly old at that time. You know, he's probably pushing, he had to have been pushing 70 years old. But he his love for farming and then the outdoors was, it was, it stayed with him. It never left. He loved the outdoors trapping. Um, but he took my brother and I in a vehicle, a pickup. And we drove down. We drove to the north along the road. We went around the section and we parked. And right out my brother's window of the pickup, the passenger side of the pickup. So our pickup's facing east and he stops right before this tree and he shuts his pickup off 
and he tells me and my brother, and there's no way I would remember this if it didn't have any significance. If you know what I mean, I'm 50 years old. So technically 40 years ago, my grandfather's talking to me about coyotes. How do I know this? How do I remember it, right? But he's talking about this tree. He says, boys, I'm going to go put a coyote trap by that tree. And he said, within three days, I'm going to have a coyote. And he said, depending on what I catch of, of male or female, once I catch a coyote, then within three more days, I'll catch the mate to that coyote. So, you know, we just take it all in. And like I said, how do I remember this? It's amazing how things stick with your mind. And you have to know that, you know, there's a higher power that instills this knowledge in you at a young age that you can remember. But I remember on the third day, my grandfather, he caught a coyote and it was a, a female coyote. And not to get too far off track, but my grandfather back in the day, he did it for probably one whole year or something like that. He weighed every coyote. So the female coyotes in our part of the country weighed 22, 24 pounds. And the males were uh, 27 to 30 pounds. He weighed them all. So he catches this female. He remakes the set. When he gets back to the pickup, he says, within three days, I'm going to have the male. Now, obviously, you can be a trapper for one year and probably figure some of this stuff out. You can you can understand the dynamics of a mated pair of coyotes. Uh, you, you can learn a great deal in one year in trapping. But he knew without a doubt what was going to happen. But two days later, he caught the male coyote. So three days to catch the female, and then two more days caught the, caught the male. Now, the significance to all this is, A, knowing that you're going to do that, and acquiring that knowledge. But more importantly, why the tree? See, that's my thinking, and my, my whole approach to everything is there's a reason for everything. And I, all of you know, and I'm sure you know, or you've heard that I'm a whitetail hunter. I love to bow hunt whitetail. Now, I don't necessarily always get the opportunity to hunt, but I, I take clients or customers, I guide so I typically put people in stands 
where I think they're going to have an opportunity to harvest a buck with bow or rifle equipment. I like to specialize on bow and arrow just because to me, just what you see and the time of the year, it's, it's fascinating. The, the smells in the air, um, just the ambiance of being in a tree stand is out of this world for what you see. Listening to the coyotes howl before the sun comes up, hearing a deer walking down a trail, you can hear them, but you can't see them because it's still dark. There's just a lot of unique things when it comes to bow hunting whitetails. So how does that relate to the coyotes? You have one lone tree and it's not on a half line. So it's not really even in a coyote's path. Like half mile lines are excellent travel corridors for deer, for coyotes, for red fox, for raccoons, you name it. Uh, you get a half mile line, something that goes all the way through a section. It's a straight line. Animals love that because it provides shelter. It provides uh, an escape route. They can hop on the other side of it and disappear uh, if they need to. There's, there is things like this that you look for when you're calling coyotes. And... But why the lone tree along a road that was just plopped down, growing on the other side of the ditch, wide open farmland with one lone tree, and he trapped two coyotes by this tree? Well, I'm going to try to tell you a little bit about something that, like that. And it's, it's the same reason for when I call coyotes, where I call, where I set up to call coyotes and why I do the things I do is because I have a, a general knowledge in the back of my mind of why a coyote is going to be there and what is going to make them want to come into me and my sound. And a lot of it is location. But getting back to the whitetail thing, a lot of times when you're in wide open country, like say western Kansas, known for big whitetails, there can be one lone tree out in a pasture somewhere with a draw, and you could set a tree stand in that one lone tree. And you could kill a giant buck out of that tree. A lot of people overlook it. They think, oh, heck with that. I'm not sitting out in that wide open just staring at nothing all day. But big animals, a big mature whitetail buck, they gravitate towards a lone tree. Just like a coyote gravitates towards a lone tree that's not even on a half mile line. Why? Because it's a scent marker. For a coyote, it's a scent marker. They mark it. So other coyotes want to come to it just to see if Bob has went by it in the last two weeks or Bill's went by or um, Betty has went by. There's a lot of significance to that lone tree. And like I said, it's 
absolutely amazing that I can even remember the scenario and how it played out and how he caught two coyotes in five days at one lone tree right north of the family farm and how it relates to other aspects of hunting. See, a lot of people won't ever talk about this, but, but primarily because people don't know. I, being an outfitter, outfitter and a guide, where I outfit whitetail hunting in Kansas, there's not a lot of trees. A lot of the pastures only have a few trees in them. There might be the occasional creek running through, and there's a there's a few there's quite a few trees on the creek but i like to get up off the creek because a lot of the big bucks they roam they roam in the pastures just like a coyote they roam they they don't always like the beaten path what do people do they like to get off the beaten path what do coyotes do they like to get off the beaten path what do big bucks do they like to get off the beaten path. How many of you seen, have seen a monster whitetail out in the middle of nowhere? I've seen it countless times. So being an outfitter, I put up tree stands. I have this tree stand in this pasture. It's a lone cottonwood. Big old cottonwood. <laughs> I put this tree stand up. I put this hunter in this tree stand from New Jersey. He was so mad at the end of the day. I don't want to sit in that tree. It's out in the middle of nowhere. I said, you'll kill the biggest buck of your life out of that tree. I don't, I ain't seeing no deer. There's no reason those deer would want to come near that tree. I don't want to sit there. Okay. Take me to your big buck spot. I said, that is a big buck spot. Well, I want your big buck spot. I want something better than that. <laughs> uh, so, moral of the story is he didn't sit in that tree stand anymore. The very next day, one of his buddies and hunters that came with him missed the biggest buck of his life at 22 yards in that same pasture and the reason i had that guy in that lone tree because i knew that buck was there and i said there's a giant here <laughs> just be patient and he was already done he didn't want to sit there no more so the guy that missed the 22 uh, the biggest buck of his life at 22 yards I said, well, I'm going to put you over in this other, this big cottonwood. So I put him there that evening and he arrowed a buck just instantly. I had hardly gotten away after putting him in the tree stand and he arrowed one. And it wasn't a giant, but it was still early. Like they, it just, it wasn't even close to sundown. And he, he got excited. He seen how wide the buck was, how, how wide his rack was and he couldn't resist so he he shot it with his bow so and from that spot we've killed just in two years i've killed three bucks right there um 
but the moral to all of this, and I want all of you to understand, sometimes we've got to adjust our own way of thinking and realize we might not be right about something. Sometimes we've got to, to, to have the maturity to say, you know what, maybe I'm thinking about this wrong. Maybe I need to readjust my thought process and realize that I don't need to be down in the creek. Maybe I need to be up off the creek. Because that's exactly what happened to the gentleman that told me he didn't want to be in that tree stand. And I can tell you right now, there's many, many coyotes that go right by that tree, even though it's suited for, for whitetail hunting. There's just something about a lone tree that has significance of pulling animals to it. They gravitate to it. it it's a sense of security. It's a sense of safety. It's a sense of... Uh, territorialness they even with whitetails it's a territorial factor coyotes they mark it so it's territorial so a female coyote's going to gravitate to it just to see what males are in the area and the males are all going to be hiking their leg on it so they're going to leave their scent on it So, how can this benefit you in life? I can tell you. I can give you an idea. I think we have all got to gravitate away from what everyone else thinks that we should be gravitated towards. I've never been one that's followed the same beaten path. I like to make my own path. With that said, so many people in this world want you to do what they would do because it gives them a sense of superiority, superiority over you because you're now doing what they think that you should do. We as people can be people pleasers. We can be to the sense that we want to do what somebody else tells us to do. I have went against the grain on so many things in my life. Totally against it. My mother, to this day, she will not admit to it. But she used to cuss out me and my brother all the time. You you kids, all you want to do is hunt and fish. Hunt and fish. That ain't ever going to be nothing. You got to learn to do something else besides hunting and fishing. I'm here to tell you, I don't hold no disrespect to my mother for saying that. Because that's what was instilled in her growing up was hard work. Being out there working with your hands on the farm. And that is all that she knew. So what happens? That gets passed down from generation to generation. 
I may not live a lavish lifestyle, but I'm complete. I love, love, love helping people. I love listening to stories of people. I love trying to help uh, push people in a direction just to give them some ideas. I had young men come to me right when I started Predator Quest, wanting to be just like me, wanting to be in the hunting industry. Several of them are in the industry right now yet, and they've made a huge name for themselves. I could not be more proud. Could not be. And the thing is, if you love the outdoors that much, then that is what you should pursue. Don't let anyone change your mind. You don't have to seek wealth beyond measure, money-wise. Because the wealth is coming from your knowledge of just doing what you love to do. So, I have a lot of people that are very jealous of me. And, I mean, you can't believe how people shame me. Even in public, like must be rough getting to do what you do to me that's shaming they might be they might be teasing me but typically it's not coming from a teasing standpoint if that makes any sense total jealousy so they what do they got to do they've got to shame you to make you feel bad that you are living the best life that you know how to live there's so many people they hate their life. They hate getting up, going to work. They hate it. I love it. I have tough times just like anybody else. If anybody thinks coyote calling and getting it on film is a walk in the park, it's not. It can be stressful. It can be everything, just like a normal job. But when your passion is that, you learn to turn that passion into love and respect for what you're doing. You don't hate. Everything becomes burdensome. Especially when the workload just never ends. It can be very burdensome. But looking back on life and looking at things that got you and helped get you and help mold your mindset that single tree what was its significance and why is it still significant today so much of life revolves around that single tree I want to be off of the half mile line I want to be over somewhere where nobody thinks that you can be successful. I, I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to be like those coyotes and I want to gravitate towards that single tree. I want to be like that big whitetail that's gravitating towards that single tree because there's meaning to it. A lot of what people are doing in life, there is no meaning. It's just repetition. Hopefully this can 
open some of you's eyes where you can see through some of the cloudiness in your own life. Maybe you're making things a little too hard. Maybe you're too hard on yourself. Maybe you just aren't taking time to sit back and breathe a little bit and say, you know what? I don't have it too bad at all. I'm blessed. My life is really, really outstanding. I live in a wonderful place. I have a wonderful family. I have wonderful friends. What do I really have to complain about? Let that tree guide you. Let it point you in a direction. Instead of going where everybody else is going, go the opposite direction. Try something new. Thank you, everyone, for joining me today on this podcast. I hope, I really hope and pray that you all can gain something from it, from this podcast and from my talks and from the information that I'm sharing, some of the little tidbits that I remember in my lifetime. I want it to be fun for you. I want it to spark your interest and and really help you to dig deeper inside your own self. Because that's what this is about. I don't want it entirely about me. I want it to focus on yourself. I have all I've ever wanted in life. Totally, totally blessed where I'm at. And a lot of my blessing comes from all of you. Knowing that I'm helping people and I love it. So everyone, have a wonderful day out there. Do something good for other people. Smile. Say hi to somebody. Put a, put a smile on somebody else's face. Give a little. Care a lot. Have a wonderful day. Until next time. Let's get to calling. <laughs>